hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. Thank you very much for joining me again this week for another couple of hours of wrestling talk where we're going to cover cover not as many topics as we did last week. We had quite a few last week, but this week, focused, excellent, juicy topics that I'm really excited to get into. Look, we're, I'm going to give you my WrestleMania backlash predictions and not predictions but final thoughts a review if you will um i'm also going to talk about uh the uh the changes over in management uh over at tnt and tbs and how maybe that could affect aw big maybe on that and i'm also going to dive into the kota ibushi stuff that's been happening uh if you're not aware you're about to dive into some pretty hefty lore here with me so hope you're hope you're excited well and and, and that you'll be along for the ride on this one because it's a good one. and plus you know your usual aw dynamite recap so thank you very much for being here if you're listening on youtube right now like subscribe those things would be fantastic if you're listening on a podcast application right now go ahead and subscribe there as well leave us a review a uh, five-star review on Apple uh, Apple Podcast, a five-star rating on Spotify. That stuff helps out a bit. And hey, coming back to YouTube, leave a comment. Leave a comment. I can't tell you enough. Let's chat about pro wrestling. Tell me about anything. Tell me about what you liked about WrestleMania uh, Backlash. Did you, What you liked, what you didn't like. Both are entirely viable. Uh, the Double or Nothing card for AEW starting to come together. What do you think? What what other matches do you expect to see? Or any other topic you want. Go right ahead and do that. And you know what? You can also leave now a super thanks, which is essentially like a super chat, but with comments. And if you leave that, you know what? I will read your comment next week, right here on the air uh, for everyone to hear. And it's a good way to show some support for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show as well. You can also become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. There's perks that come with that. You get members-only streams. You get em- uh, emotes as well that you can use. And it shows some support for what I do here, which is very, very much appreciated. We've got members. We've got non-members. We've got subscribers. We've got a whole slew of people listening, joining in. And I'm appreciative for all of you. Every single one of you. Not gonna lie, I'm excited about tonight's show. Let's get right to it. Thank you all very much for being here. Well, it's that time of day, that time of the week. I got to keep up with it. Here is uh, one of 52 things I have to... Nice. Let me start over. One of 52 nice things I have to say about Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. Goldberg was never part of the Yakuza. Robin If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to find out when we start talking about Kota Ibushi. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump right in. Weekly wrestling inspection. Why don't we do it? There we go. Mm-mm. I cut the music too short. That's okay. We did, did, Shout out to Ben. Who, who composed that for me. And I'm still using... How long has it been now? Two years that we've that been using that? I, I think that's pretty good. I'm just going to talk... This was not planned, but it has come out today 
this this report over from the boys and girls over at Fightful Select regarding MJF. I, I'm just going to touch on this. I, honestly, there's so much other stuff to talk about, which is which really has some great meat on the bone. Um, okay, let, I look in my notes. You know what I wrote in my notes for this section here? I wrote MJF is trolling. That's the title of the section that I gave this. Let me re- let me read directly from Fightful. Quote, Fightful has heard that MJF's sentiments about possibly going to WWE when his contract are up is, uh, is up are not in character and it's a subject he's already weighed. There has been at least some progress on his future in AEW as we're told their their love as we're told there have been open-ended mentions about him possibly getting an extension. However, many don't believe that MJF and Tony Khan are as close as were as they were prior to the reported discussion. Now, here I am not going to do a deep dive on this. All right. I think look, everyone who has brought unto the world arguments to the effect that MJF will suffer in WWE, he will not flourish as he did, are all completely right. Some people are saying, I would never see MJF leaving AEW. And you know what? You're also probably, you know, completely right to feel that way because it sure does feel that way. However, a lot of things can happen in two years because that's when his contract is coming up. Two years from now. Let's start the negotiation. Let's start the parlaying soon. When you're a top guy in the company, absolutely. That's your prerogative. Go for it. Do it. But I'm just going to... I'm just going to leave this here. I'm just going to say this. No one thought Cody Rhodes was going to leave AEW. And here we are in 2022 with Cody Rhodes having matches on WWE premium live events. I'm And I'm not comparing the two. What I'm saying is we're in a stage, we're in a, we're a moment of pro wrestling where there is legit competition. We have to be ready for any type of surprise. Never, I, we've heard it so many times before. Never say never in pro wrestling. And it, it has never rung truer than today. Then when MJF comes out and people say, no, he'll never go. Shush. And... Let yourself be worked. Sit back and enjoy this. This is what makes pro wrestling interesting and exciting. Keeps everyone on their toes, folks. This is what makes it fun. The idea of people switching over from company to company. Oh, contracts coming up for the past 20 years. Well, contracts coming up. They'd always resign because no one could offer better conditions or better money. Now, well, more... Now it's possible. Now there is that there there are those openings that exist. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm throwing the bank at MJF. Are you kidding me? If anything, the 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 Cody Rhodes experiment 
it's happening here should be should uh, should ensure that Tony hangs on to his big time players and MJF is a cornerstone of that company. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He he should not leave. If MJF leaves AEW, that's not it. It's it's egg on Tony Khan's face to let a a top guy, his top guy, leave. But we'll have this discussion when we get there, if we ever get there. I am convinced convinced that he's going to stay but what 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 do i know what do i know about the mind of a professional wrestler and especially one like mjf whose entire gimmick is i'm working you all the time you don't know when i'm being sincere we just had juice robinson go on Meltzer's radio show and bald face lie to him Say, I'm done with wrestling. I'm retiring. He pops in at Bullet. He's a Bullet Club member. And now he's doing the round saying, yeah, I lied. They're pro wrestlers. This is what they do. MJF today was laughing his ass off. Scrolling through Twitter. Yes, I scroll with two thumbs. You know why? It goes faster. At least that's what I like to think. He's scrolling through Twitter and he's laughing his ass off. Of course he is. You don't have to take a side. You don't have to be positioned. You don't have to position yourself. And especially, you don't have to be some prognosticator saying, well, I believe MGF's going to stay in two years for this, this, and that. You have a 50-50 chance of being right. Ultimately. Because there's two answers to this. He stays or he goes. And that's entirely on to MJF. Just sit back and enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy the story. The no, the, the, the the development in this. We're going to be talking about this in 6 months. In 8 months. In 12 months. In 24 months. When this all starts wrapping up. This. It, it's great. And you should enjoy it. Don't get mad at it. Enjoy it. And for sure, see, if anything, take from, take exactly what happened to Juice, what happened with Juice Robinson, and, and think about what MJF might be doing. Dropping sources, dropping hints. Maybe they're, look, he's doing the exact same thing Cody did, talking about having contract renegotiations on Dynamite. Cody was doing that. And you remember, and I was sitting here telling you guys, nah, I don't think so. I, he's got to be staying. There's no way EVP Cody Rhodes is leaving. Next thing you know, we're gone. We got worked. All right. And I love being worked. I don't mind being wrong when I'm getting worked. WrestleMania Backlash 2022 happened. Something fascinating, right? When you when you look at the reactions to this, to, to, to Backlash, you know, people calling this, you know, oh, this is a very good show. This was so, such a good show. Better than it was on paper. And I will agree. It was better than it was on paper. But I wouldn't go out screaming to the hills that this was, what what a turnaround, what a great show. This was a two-match show out of six, right? Six, seven, what was it? Uh, and the rest is kind of, Tailored for WWE fans, you know? 
Because look, I I've mentioned this a little bit, and I'm gonna you know mention it again. I've scaled back the amount of WWE I watch because I realize that it is less and less for me. You know, I people keep telling me, you know, whenever I go on Twitter and, you know, sort of while I'm watching Raw and Live tweet, and, you know, I'm like, what is this? Where's the wrestling, for instance? You know, people are like, Warren, it's not wrestling, it's sports entertainment. And I'm like, ah. But I'm starting to believe that. I'm starting to believe that, indeed, WWE has convinced me that this is sports entertainment and is not wrestling. So when I tune in to uh, PLEs like this, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm coming in without the baggage, without the weeks of build, outside of stuff that I pick up, and maybe I'll go watch when people are having reactions to good or bad, you know, or someone will tell me, Warren, you have to watch, you know, like NXT a couple of weeks ago, you have to watch the 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 three way uh, match for the, two weeks ago, right, for uh, Spring Break or whatever it was called. The Cameron Grimes, uh, the the three way for the um, for the North American title that was awesome, and people were telling me, Warren, you should watch this match. It's awesome, and it really was. So I like to go in. So now I go into these PLEs as a wrestling fan. I'm like, well, entertain me with your wrestling because this is why I'm here. Uh, I was entertained like hell uh, with the first match, Cody versus Seth. Dare I say? that I like this match more than their WrestleMania match, which I already liked quite a lot, actually. I think this was better. I think maybe, you know, Cody, whatever nerves or whatever he had to prove, maybe maybe both guys were just looser because it wasn't WrestleMania. Look, I don't know. But I felt this was much more natural. Maybe they just got used to working each other. This was great. Um, this was really good. Uh, you know, we've got falcon arrows and buckle bombs and uh, I, sh spot that I liked was Seth when he tried to go for the superplex into the falcon arrow. It was counted into a crossroads. We thought it was over, but Seth's leg was on the rope. There were lots of near falls here. And if you don't like near falls, this was not the match for you because there were a lot of them. But I thought it was very well done. You know, Cody Rhodes tries to the moonsault. He fails. Seth hits the pedigree, and I'm like, if Cody loses to a pedigree, wouldn't that be just amazing? The, Seth even does uh, the, the dusty punches, but Cody hits him with a crossroads, and another, but the second one is countered. Cody teases the vertebraker. They roll in and out of pins, and Cody Rhodes finally gets the win with a handful of tights, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, Cody ready to do whatever it needs to be, whatever he needs to do to win. I can get behind. That's a good bit. You know, give me a smart baby face any day of the week. Any day of the week. Not every, because not every baby face can pull off the perfect, uh, you know, uh, irredeemably good baby face. Like even Hogan would cheap shot his way. He'd do eye gouges and shit like that. He wasn't above it. Yeah, I'm the Hulkamania, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. That guy, he'd do that too. A lot of people were bothered by that. I wasn't. This was very, very good. And I remember I was watching this with Kristen and I said, there is absolutely no way in hell that there is anything on this card that will live up to this match. Everything goes downhill from this point on.
And it kind of did. You know, there were maybe peaks and valleys. It wasn't like a straight line down. But the, the second match, of this was like match of the night, match of the weekend. Like this was top tier primo stuff. And look, I don't know what, you know, Cody's deal is like, so on and so forth. But if Cody is, if they brought in Cody to make the hardcores happy and gives and produce some really good wrestling matches if that's his thing let's do it let's fucking go you know like i i you know people have been telling me that Tommaso Ciampa and Mustafa Ali are angling for a feud that's a match for a guy like me that's a match that i'm craving that i'm like yes uh, let's let's go this is something that i i will tune in to watch i will pay to watch a match like that, you know? So if they sprinkling in stuff like that, that's fine. But if they keep giving me Bobby Lashley versus Omas, uh, they can go fuck themselves. Like this is not like this match lasted eight minutes and 51 seconds. Okay. It is the shortest match on the card by approximately a minute. Cause the other match that was slightly longer was well, the other piss break. And look, I only have one note right here. It says it. It's too long. I don't know what they were doing here. Now, clearly they're going the babyface route with Bobby Lashley because now they're they're going back down the, oh, well, he was an All-American and he, you know, uh, he was a Marine or whatever. And, you know, the, now it's like, oh, smiling Bobby. Fa- P- uh, hang on, let me finish this first. Uh, it just went too long. And Omas is not there. Omas is... God damn it. As much as they've been trying and trying to create the next Andre the Giant, this ain't it. This is not the guy. Andre, Andre was so much bigger. And you know what? Here's the thing. Andre had charisma. He knew how to work a crowd. Omas... They're telling Omas... To be a big man and do the big man WWE style, which is look tough, don't react, you're bigger and better than everyone. Let the guy show some personality. This is not working. It's not working. You know, and, and I'm saying they're trying to make the next Andre the Giant. They're trying to make the next Braun Strowman. And they fired him. They had the current Braun Strowman and they fired him. Anyway, this match stunk. AJ Styles versus Edge finished exactly the same way as WrestleMania. Look, I think the match was I think the match was a little better and I think it is because it was shorter by 5 to 6 minutes. The WrestleMania match would not end. This wasn't great. Like I I don't like I I think I think I'm bored of Edge. I don't think AJ can 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 do what he can can do his magic with them, but the the finish of the match was exactly like at WrestleMania, right? Sudden interference by someone you did not know was affiliated with Edge. That allows him to win. If anything, here's a here's a thought. If you're going to do this, if you pull off that finish at WrestleMania and you pull off that finish at Backlash, here's what I dare 
WWE to do that finish for every pay-per-view match that Edge has moving forward. Bring in someone new in his stable for every match. It finishes the exact same way. That is a gimmick. That <laughs> I could get behind. Edge at the end of the year has nine people in his stable. So there's good news and bad news in the Ronda Rousey Charlotte match. The good news is that it was better than their WrestleMania match. And, you know, I saw a lot of my peers or people who are not my peers uh, lauding this match saying, oh my God, it's so much better. It's so great. What a great match. And I'm like, well, look, the bar was already so low. The bar was dirt low. The bar was so low, it was on the dirt. If you wanted the bar to get lower, you would actually have to put effort into digging up the dirt so that you could put the bar deeper into the dirt. Like you'd actually have to work to get the match, to get this match to be worse than the match we had before. It was a good plunder match. I didn't know what to tell you. I, I enjoyed it to the degree where I thought Ronda's, what, the, where the microphone little speeches, the little bitch, bitch, bitch. I'm like, ah, come on, just don't do it. And the finish, complete disaster. The the finish was a an utter disaster. Charlotte gets rolled up into uh into an arm breaker, right? And Rhonda has it. And she has it applied correctly. You know how your elbow is supposed to bend? It's supposed to bend like like so, in a joint, right? That's what the elbow is for. The elbow is the elbow, you know, is a joint. That's all it is. It's you know, we gave it a name, but essentially it's just like a connector. So when you do an arm breaker, you want to bend the arm on the opposite side of the joint, and that hurts. That's the thing, right? We're 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 good on that. I think we agree that that's how it works. So she has the arm bar cinched in. And Charlotte is not ta- is not quitting, and you know the ref has the microphone up in her nose, and she's going, no, no. And then he turns for some ungodly reason that I still don't understand why he puts the microphone in Rhonda's face. Rhonda's not quitting. Why would the referee put the microphone there? There's no reason to do it other. Then to deliver the line, I was hoping you'd say that, bitch. Which I completely hated. Cause it took me out of the moment. Which then is a signal for Rhonda to switch and bend back the arm as if she was torquing it more. But what she does is she inverts the arm bar. So that the the bar, the arm is actually bending in the way nature intended. And she's tugging back on it, kind of like this, which I don't get. And that's how Charlotte taps, screams, and, and apparently now she's kayfabe injured because her arm was bending in the way nature intended it to bend. Fuck off. Terrible ending. And 
but that's still part of the good news. The bad news is Ronda Rousey is a WWE champion again. She's the SmackDown champ. That means y'all have to deal with her on television being her flat, uncharismatic, boring self as WWE continues to try and make us believe that she is a babyface. This sucks. It sucks big time. And I would not be surprised that if WWE runs her through the women's division for months, just like she did on her first run, where her first one, she, she actually had some gas behind it. She actually had some support behind it. At this point, everyone hates Ronda. I don't know anyone who's excited. Who's tuning in to watch Ronda Rousey? The, these these infamous casuals I still hear about? Where uh, Could have fooled me. As far as I can tell, people tune in to watch Sasha Banks and Roman Reigns. I think that's what they're doing. I, I'm pretty sure Ronda Rousey is, is giving them nothing. Still, an, a, a, an, enjoyable, an enjoyable match. I liked it. Justin Firestein, nice to see you and welcome to the chat. Riddick Moss defeated Baron Corbin. Uh, look, I got, look, here's the, the only comment that I will give here. If they are supposed to be turning Riddick Moss babyface, right? If he's supposed to be a good guy now and abandoning, you know, all the happy Corbin jokers bullshit. Why is he still in an obnoxiously stupid uh, uh, heel ring attire? Why is he still doing the shorts with the color suspenders and the socks? What the fuck? That's not a... If you want to get him to be a babyface, start by changing him out of his asshole gear that's that people have grown to hate. Put him into something cooler. Get, you know, it's like... Bis, look... Whatever anyone, I don't see what everyone in WWE seems to see about Riddick Moss. I don't see it. I've never seen it. No, that's not true. I saw it when uh, when he was in his tag team with Tino Sabatelli back in W uh, in NXT. I thought I thought they had they had some, they had a fun um, they had a fun combination there. But er, look, everything they've tried with that guy has failed. Everything they have tried with that guy has failed. Now they're taking him. Out of the situation that gave him heat, you know the 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 bad joke shit. They're thinking he's gonna fly on his own. Oh, come on now. This match was boring. And the Bloodline defeated RKO and Drew McIntyre. What a great, great SmackDown main event to top off the show. <laughs> there, I mean, there was nothing wrong in the match. Like it was the most I. I could call, not move for move, but sequence from sequence, what was going to happen. I called the entire match. It was the most formulaic WWE match. You know what this was? This was a house show main event that you got on, on pay-per-view. Oh, premium live event. You know, you, you put all these guys together who have, you know, and the thing is, is that the house show match would probably have been a lot more fun because then the guys in the ring don't have the camera on. They're more interactive with the crowd. They're a little looser. They're doing goofy shit. This was very, 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 very average. It was a, you know, a, a SmackDown Friday night main event. 
That's what it was. Like, I didn't hate the show. I think WWE has put on worse uh, PLEs, but I think Backlash is a representation of everything that's good and everything that's wrong with WWE. It really it really and truly is. Um, you got great workers that can put on fantastic matches that will have me jumping out of my seat, getting really, really excited. And then you'll have, you know, the perpetual Roman Reigns story. And then you'll, you'll have wrestlers putting on great matches, but people that I don't care about, that I don't want to see. You know what I mean? It's, it really is the combination of, it's really WWE's best foot forward, but also it's worst. So you got a really nice shoe and then you got like a, like a sock full of holes. Throwback! Left us, he's here? Nice to see you. Welcome to the, welcome to the show. Throwback, nice to see you. Says, hanging with the 26-year-old pregnant girlfriend and listening in. Are you kidding me? Congratulations, man. It, and he says, it's WWE. We should all be disappointed in the way they set up their big matches. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Like I said when I was starting, I don't watch I don't watch most of WWE's programming anymore. So I come in a little blind on the builds. Because ultimately, it's the matches that matter. So I don't know how much... A match has been hyped or how big it's been hyped. Um, I know what you mean because I've watched enough WWE to know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, the, um, the, the this match here, you know, like, like this match here when I mean uh, Seth and Cody, outstanding. Like absolutely outstanding match. The main event is a main event that happened. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, what are you going to do? Variety. Dropped a, uh, a, a, a some breaking news yesterday. Brett Weitz, who is the uh, general manager of TBS TNT, True TV at Warner Bros. Discovery, is out. He's gone. Brett Weitz is exiting as general manager of TBS TNT and True TV. Variety has learned. Weitz, who was appointed in the role to the role, excuse me, in January 2019, was among the group of Warner Media execs that came over under the new David Zaslav-selected regime at Warner Brothers Discovery following the close of the Warner Media Discovery merger in early April. Weitz was moved uh, under Discovery Lifestyle, Chan Lifestyle Channel's chief Kathleen Finch, who assumed a newly created role of chairman and chief content officer of U.S. Networks Group, a new consolidated organization comprising the company's more than 40 new U.S. networks. His role has now been eliminated with Finch taking oversight of TBS, TNT, and True TV. So, what does that mean for AEW? Because that's everyone uh, everyone was talking about yesterday. When this, Look, at this point, the best we can do is speculate. And being a wrestling fan, being a wrestling fan, part of the joy of being a wrestling fan is the speculation. Right? We're, we're being honest with each other. It's part of the fun. So let's speculate, shall we? But we're going to speculate responsibly, all right? Because we don't know what's going on. None of us are in the room. 
I don't think. I hope. Look, if any of you listening right now is in these discussions over at, you know, in the higher spheres of Warner Brothers Discovery, please give me, hit me up in my DMs. I'd love to talk. Um, but the, the important thing that we have to do when thinking about what what this could entail for AEW is to get out of the wrestling bubble. Because no, people, this is not the Cody effect. <laughs> Anyone who... Th- people who think that this is because Cody Rhodes is gone. Oh my gosh, you're so adorable. I'd love, you know, I'd love to live in your fantasy world, you know, where probably, you know, I could, you know, I could swim in vats of Coca-Cola, you know, and, you know, my, my mortgage could disappear, you know, that kind of stuff. That'd be great. <laughs> no, let, we, let's talk concrete stuff. Let's talk serious, uh, some serious stuff here. You have to look at numbers, okay? You absolutely have to look at numbers to begin with because, you know... Th- and I've talked about this on the podcast a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. Had Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics on. And I'm going to still continue quoting WrestleNomics because they actually provide real analysis as opposed to people just looking at numbers and going, oh, oh, well, CM Punk has failed because he's never been able to get these numbers on Rampage ever again. Like, you know, that kind of, that kind of moron bullshit, okay? Numbers. AW is growing and it's undeniable. The numbers are there. There's an article up on WrestleNomics, right? Right now, it's up there. Nothing but growth metrics, top to bottom, all right? The show has seen a 29% growth in overall viewership through the first quarter of 2022. The the uh, the demo, 18 to 49, uh, AEW's flagship program, Dynamite, has experienced a 28% growth through the first quarter of 2022 and I had people in my D in my tweets in my tweets when I was chatting this up saying well I you know uh, fantastic news uh, you know we're excited to see how uh, AEW is going to do shame they can't grow their their audience what do we not understand with the word growth 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 people growth doesn't it's not if they're growing that means they're growing their audience what is going on I, uh, is English hard? Because it's it's my it, the I know I speak two lang I learn two languages. So is English hard? I don't think it's that hard. You know, because there's a resource you can use to check out words. It's called a dictionary. You pull out your dictionary. You look what you look at what growth means. You look for the economic definition, right? You'll have to read past. You'll have to read. You know, and I know reading is a bit of a problem. It's a bit of a problem for a lot of people hanging around Twitter. You're gonna have to skip. You're gonna have to actually like put your eyes, you know, focus them on the page, on the words, and make sure that the words form sentences that you can that you can understand, and then it, you know maybe you'll learn something. AEW's four main pay per views, with the exception of Double or Nothing. Every show has saw 50%, at least 50% growth in pay-per-view buys. Oh, but they're not growing their audience. 
All Out 2021 exceeded 200,000 pay-per-views. It's the most for a United States pay-per-view since 1999. Of course, we don't know what what the WWE Network numbers are. They never shared those. And they're not going to share them with, with us in regards to, to Peacock either. They're just going to tell us, you know, 3 million people consume WWE content without telling us what that means. The verbiage is very, very clear here. And it's they're making they're choosing their words. They didn't say three million people watched WrestleMania. They didn't say three million people watch Raw per week. They said three million people consumed WWE programming. Does that mean they watched 10 minutes and they hit the bricks? Does that mean that they watched 50%, 60%? These are metrics they can get with these streaming services, with Peacock. They could get it with the network too. Hell, I get it on YouTube. I can see where you guys stop watching. Hopefully not now, because it's about to get good. In the first quarter of 2022, Revolution did not see the same growth in 2021, but it was still up 17% from 2021. And people will still say, they're not growing their audience. They're selling out big venues. Not growing their audience. It's a niche. It's a niche. It's a niche within a niche. It's only men. So you have a show on your network that is experiencing growth. And the next best thing, the closest competitor in that bracket, in that bracket of sports slash unscripted television, WWE, is not growing. Now, don't forget, AEW is making money off of licensing, just like WWE. Remember, AEW started in 2019. You remember that, right? We all remember. In January 2020, mere months after its inception, Warner Media and AEW renegotiated four-year contract. That would keep Dynamite on the station to the end of 2023. Four-year deal worth $175 million. Roughs out to about $45 million a year. Including TNT having an option for 2024. At, as we are told, a significantly increased price. Now, there's been rumors going around that the option might not be uh, might not be uh, 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 invoked. Okay. There's these reports going around. I think it's a, for fairness, I'll throw it out there. So a mere months after AEW is on TV, they renegotiate their contract. A year later, they renegotiate again. This was during the, when they announced that Dynamite was, uh, was going to TBS and Rampage was going to be this fabled third hour right? That would be on TNT. During this same announcement, they said that on top of that, they were that this was a brand new deal. The company is barely three years old and has already renegotiated twice for better terms because it's performing well. 
PW Insider reported that the financial terms of AEW's extended deal with Warner Media uh, uh, was would be in the area of eight figures, which would could be anywhere between ten million to ninety nine million. We don't know exactly what the number is. And just before that, they were on a four-year deal at $175 million. Not growing, not successful, uh, disappointment for the network. These are not signs of disappointment. As a television property, objectively speaking, AEW is unscripted in its field, unscripted in sports, uh, sports unscripted, that, that basin of shows. It is a top five show every Wednesday night, mostly behind live sports, which is a juggernaut. These are good things. These are good things. If you're a television executive, you look at this and you're like, this is great. Because on top of that, I was listening to Brandon Thurston. And he was saying, you know, he came on my show a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, that Eric Bischoff was spitballing that uh, uh, Dynamite was probably costing uh, a little less than half a million to produce per week. Brandon was like, ah, maybe a little higher. This week he was like, ah, I'd say about 800 million. Uh, 800 million, 800,000, excuse me. 800K. Per week. WWE probably costs $4 million a week. To That is a bargain. A bargain for more consistent, better ratings. Or at least, at the very least, comparable in the demos, right? If you want to start getting anal about it. So, their contract is coming up. In, 2020, in 2023, next year, there's the option, may or may not be invoked. We'll see. Now everyone's going, ah, the, ah, the guy. Because here's the thing. Uh, uh, Britt Brit Whites, he was indeed an ally. He's the guy who negotiated, right? He's the guy who, who saw this through. He probably gets along really well with Tony. Like there was... You know, he was, he backed everything up. He was good for the extra hour uh, of Rampage. For the, the the Clash of Champions, the Battle of the Belts things. Um, for the uh, Roads to the Top. Like, this is all stuff that's like, yeah, create content for us, man. Let's do it, kind of thing. Will he have that same type of relationship? Uh, when I say he, I mean uh, Tony Khan. Will he have a, a solid relationship with uh, Kathleen, um, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Hang on a second. Kathleen Finch. Catherine Finch. Kathleen Finch. We'll get to know that name. Will he have a better relationship? We don't know. Like, these are all intangibles. But from a purely numbers game, observable, quantifiable, there is no reason for, 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 for Turner, Discovery, Warner, Merger, people to dump aw with the back of their hand i've seen so many it's just like wcw because it's not because wcw as opposed to 
um, as opposed to, to Dynamite, was a Turner property. It belonged to them. And it was hemorrhaging money and was under-delivering. Uh, under it was in the red for years. So when the merger with AOL happened, you there's a change of guard that happens just like here. And the guys look at the books and they're like, what, what the fuck are we doing here? Why are we maintaining this playground? There's nothing coming out of it. Why do you think McMahon bought it for such a cheap price? Because they needed to unload it because it was a drain. AEW, for all intents and purposes, is not a drain. It is performing. It is doing well. Now, again, this is it. This is indeed a changing of the guard. You know, Brett Weitz wasn't kicked out because he was incompetent, I don't think. Because he didn't know what he was doing, I don't think. He was kicked out because those are high-stakes corporate politics. Because new management comes in and new management puts their people there. Right? And it happens. That's how, that's how it goes. So... Will Kathleen Finch look at this and say, this is cool, let's continue? Or will she be completely subjective and be like, you know what? I don't like this kind of programming. I am not putting money into this. Which is fair. It's her call, right? If it doesn't fit the vision of what they want to do with their programming, okay, weird because... It's performing well. You'd be getting rid of a ratings getter. But, okay. You know. Roll with it. We'll see what happens. But I'm not even worried about that. I'm not even worried as to whether or not they'll stay on TNT or not. It, do it, it doesn't bother me. It does not bother me. Because I am 100% convinced... 100% convinced that AEW will find another home, another network to call home that they'll be able to settle in and have a similar deal. Maybe not the big time deal that they're, that Tony Khan is projecting to get or was projecting to get in 2024. But you know, it's not going to disappear. If anything, like I'm USA Network, right? If I'm the USA Network and I look at AEW, the way it's performing on a Wednesday night, at the cost, the bargain that it is, if I turn around and I look at NXT 2.0, or as I like to call it, horny color, uh, horny color run wrestling, if I look at that, it was like, and the numbers, the pitiful numbers that it's draining. Like, well, maybe, uh, maybe we could do something else. Maybe, maybe we should think about, because don't forget, WWE's stuff is coming up at 2024. Like, this is going to be really interesting. We're getting into a really fun time here, folks. Because trust me, trust me, the networks are going to use AEW as leverage against WWE. They're going to look to WWE and say, look at these guys. Growth everywhere at a fraction of what you cost us. 
WWE is going to look at their networks and be like, well, look, look at the value that we bring because WWE brings content, umpt and umpt and umpt of content. And we're talking about networks. We're talking about networks. Everyone is waiting with bated breath to see what's going to happen with Amazon and the NFL, right? Because Amazon is going to be live streaming NFL games. First, th this is a first. If this works out, the live game is going to come to the streaming services, which again is going to be something new. Apple TV, Peacock again. I, you know, I toss Netflix in there, but I read reports that the only reason Netflix can't isn't into the streaming live streaming right now is because its infrastructure wasn't built for that. So, what if AEW ends up on a streaming service? And would that be such a bad thing? I don't know. I don't think so. There are so many avenues. So many avenues right now for content to get up on, to, to get on TV. But this is not a WCW thing. The company, WCW failed because of what happened inside Turner Broadcasting after the, after the Time Warner merger. The merger... Uh, and, and the Time Warner merger and the merger with AOL created the single largest disaster in 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 the, in business. And they looked at WCW and was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Hit the bricks. And there are people out there that are that are that want to tell you that AEW is going to fail, that it is failing, that it's going to be canceled, and we're never going to see it again. Now they are entitled to their opinion, despite the fact that it is an absolute shit opinion. And I'll tell you why it is a shit opinion. Because these people who tell you that are not wrestling fans. Anyone who is clamoring for the dis for the end, the, the, the cancellation, the dismantling of a place for wrestlers to work and get a solid payday is not a wrestling fan. It is not someone you should be listening to. They do not care about wrestling. They care about the fact that they don't like Tony Khan, that they don't like AEW. Oh, their fans are so cringe. I hope AEW fails. If you are a wrestling fan, uh, someone who supports talent, you will you you will be disappointed. You will be nervous at 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 the concept of AEW maybe maybe not being around anymore. Because it's more paydays for wrestlers, bigger paydays for wrestlers, guaranteed contracts for some. It helps create the, ec the ecosystem of wrestling that, that exists in North America with WWE, AEW. Then you got the tier right underneath, like Impact. Thank God Ring of Honor's still around for, we'll see what form it takes, but it, another place to work, MLW, NWA. You may not like everything they do. You may not support everything they do. You may not watch everything they do, but they are crucial to this ecosystem so that professional wrestlers can start in the indies and, you know, depending on their choices, work their way to the big time because there has to be big time. There has to be more than one big time. There has to be more and more places for wrestlers to get jobs week after week. So I promise you and I swear to you, Anyone who says, I hope AEW fails, does not like professional wrestling. Period. And frankly, I don't even feel that way about WWE. Like, I don't want WWE, I don't want WWE to fail. I don't want it to, 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 to go bankrupt. I want it to do better. I want it to do better. I want the product to be better. 
and I want I want the product to be better. I want it to treat its 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 talent better, and I want it to be a good corporate citizen. And I think that's not too much to ask. Right now, I can't stand it for a bunch of reasons, but I don't want WWE to fail. You know what I mean? Okay, we're gonna talk about the Kota Ibushi situation. I've got okay. There are so many levels to this, okay? And it started this week with Kota Ibushi. Of course, New Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling Superstar, who this week was uh who this week was uh um tweeting out stuff about a a New Japan official named Kikuchi. Uh he started leaking DMs from uh, from Line, which is a, a a messaging service that's very big in in Japan, uh, showing off a, a very contentious relationship between the two, where Ibushi seems to imply that Kikuchi has been unfairly keeping him off television show, uh, just shows, period, uh, because of medical conditions, and maybe other, you know, he's Ibushi's been talking about maybe some other unsavory stuff as well, um. This has been quite the story, and it's been covered live on Twitter and also over at the uh, the flagship podcast. Uh, Hassan Terrell, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Um, been covered rather extensively, and um, basically through translations that were provided by Twitter user Golden underscore Kuma and another Twitter user called The Feelit. We're able to get a picture of what seems that seems to corroborate what Kota Ibushi is talking about, and uh, I want to show up their hard work that they put here, them and the and the reporting, the great reporting that we got from the flagship podcast as well. So, um, so I'm gonna mush all of this together to try and paint a picture because I know a lot of people, like I've you know I had people DM me, it's like what's going on with Kota Ibushi, and I'm like Jesus, it's such a it's such a, a tangled tale. I'm, I, I'm, try, I'm going to bring everything together here to sort of paint a, a picture as to what's happening in this legitimately interesting drama, but one that could have very, very serious repercussions. Like, this is not, this is not Eric Bischoff and CM Punk, you know, you know, being bitchy at each other. That's, that's high school, middle school drama bullshit. This has implications. This is much more serious. Uh, and the fact, and there's, you know, there's there's, there's a, a fourth wall that's being broken, cultural uh, uh, cultural things that are being uh, tossed aside. Let's get to it, okay? Um, so, as I said, uh, and, and the links are all in the description, by the way, to follow all of these people, and I think it's important because they did do fantastic work on this. Uh, so this, what I'm going to do here is use the social media timeline that was put together by Twitter user, the Feelit over on their website, vendingmachineseat.com and also the deep reporting that the boys over at the uh, flagship podcast did over that's on their Patreon. Uh, you have to be a, a, a subscriber, a patron, a patron to, to access it, but I'm going to try and bring this all as cohesively as possible. Now, the first few Elements here that I'm going to be that we're going to talk about come directly from the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast report, uh, where they were reporting that there is massive heat between 
Kota Ibushi and Kikuchi. Has been, this heat has been going back several years. They say it started around 2018 when Ibushi alleged that uh, Kikuchi, who no one had heard about, right, at this point. Like, really, you never heard this guy being thrown around. But, oh boy, is he in the, he's in the vernacular now. Uh, Kikuchi, back in 2018, Ibushi feels that um, he was shorting him on merch money. Because Kikuchi was running the merch back then. Ibushi said that uh, he wasn't being paid the amount of royalties that were promised. And at the time, Kikuchi would say, oh, I'm sorry, bro, mistake. Let's skip over to 2019. Uh, Kikuchi's new, con- new, uh, new Japan contract expired. And he it was not renewed under former president CEO Harold Mage uh, due to what was believed to be a mishandling of the Ibushi merchandise issue. Plus, multiple extramarital affairs that were brought to the company's attention by Kikuchi's wife. Kikuchi then took a job writing and producing wrestling content over at TV uh, Asahi. Now, you may recall Takaminchinoku around 2018, if if I'm not mistaken. He was tossed out of New Japan Pro Wrestling because he it was shown that he was having an extramarital affair and he was also kicked out of the the promotion that he was running at the time as well. Um, culturally, uh, adultery is um, is a is quite severe in Japan. It's something that you know that, that they take very very seriously and is a very embarrassing blemish. It's not something that you want out there. Uh, so it's a it's a big deal. And it's important that we uh, that that we that we get this focused here because it does come to play in a couple of situations here. So let's keep that in mind. Extramarital affairs equal uh, 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 you know not good things in Japan. You get canceled for use of a better term. Uh, Tiger Hattori, right, uh, former referee, uh, had the uh, also held talent relations positions uh, in New Japan until he retired in 2020, and that's when Dick Togo arrived to take over those duties. Uh, our boy Dick, Dick Togo gained more influence. He's a pal with Gato, so he had some, you know, had the ear for the booking committee as well, and he pushed to bring his buddies back into the fold such as Kikuchi and Takamichinoku, who had been fired at that point. When Harold Mage left New Japan in 2022, the table was indeed set for Kikuchi to return to talent relations. Now, Kikuchi had a, rep- had a reputation, as it's stated in the, uh, uh, the, the flagship report, said for being exploitative, unfair, and very quote-unquote old school. I'll give you some examples here. He was very strict about maintaining kayfabe um, to the point that he didn't want wrestlers from various uh, units, you know, face, heel, you know, Hantai, Bullet Club, you know, if you, if you were in a war. He didn't, want it, he didn't want you guys to be seen in public with each other. Uh, apparently, he even once uh, got on Ibushi's case for uh, spotting a bench, uh, spotting a bench press for a heel wrestler in a public gym. So he got, Ibushi got a little bit in trouble for that. Kikuchi is also very strict uh, in regards to the younger staff. I've heard this before, but I mean, this is, like, this is old school. 
the younger wrestlers wants them to, you know, keep their relationships on the down low so that the female fans will still continue to think they're single and will buy the merch and, you know, that kind of stuff. That Those are old school. Both of these things are very old school style mentalities. Um, so, uh, so sources told the flagship that these policies that Kikuchi has are kind of enforced willy-nilly. Where he's kind of like, well, you know, you, you know, he'll maybe turn a blind eye to a heel and a baby face out in public, but he'll be on another guy's case probably just because he doesn't like him kind of thing. But he has this reputation as well to be, well, like we said, unfair. A few weeks before heading into Wrestle Grand Slam last July, Ibushi uh, got sick, right? He had uh, aspiration pneumonia. I, I'm pretty sure anyone who was following New Japan at the time were, uh, including myself, were very worried because we were right in the midst of, you know, COVID bullshit. Uh, and, uh, and we were like, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know, hopefully that's all it is. You know, we were hoping it wasn't anything more serious and they were just using this as a cover. And besides, you know, having respiratory problems when you're in the era of COVID, not a good mix regardless. But the office wanted him, uh, but sorry, but Ibushi told the office he wanted to wrestle against Shingo in the main event for uh, at Wrestle Grand Slam nonetheless. Kikuchi made the call to not allow him to wrestle based on not being medically cleared. Now, Ibushi thought that this was another example of his unfairness because six months later Kikuchi lets Kitsuyuri Shibata return at Wrestle Kingdom but without Shibata ever really being fully cleared by doctors and I did a bit of research going back on this maybe you know I got blinded by my excitement of Shibata being back where I'm like wait he he had to have been cleared and I searched and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find any report. I couldn't find anything from New Japan or any rumors, any news sites saying Katsuyuri Shibata cleared for medically cleared for competition. Even Dave Meltzer, you know, in 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 a in a report at some point said, I think it was in an, in an Observer saying um, Shibata's Shibata's uh, wrestling at uh, uh, is wrestling at the Wrestle Kingdom, but we we don't know what his medical status is. We just don't know. So kind of weird, right? So Ibushi sort of saw that, you know, and then he injured his shoulder in the G1 in October and then New Japan announces that he's going to be out for two months. Now I'm going to come to the tweet timeline because the tweets and the reports sort of mesh together here. Um, following, following the G1, the G1 final where he hurt his shoulder, he tweeted this out. Now, you know, these are translations from Japanese, so maybe some words are a little broken, sentences are a little strange, but these are all translated from native speakers doing their best to make it make sense here. And But there's still some nuance, you know, they admitted themselves, you know, there's some moments where the nuance isn't quite, uh, isn't quite clear. So Ibushi tweets this after being injured in the G1 finals. He says, as, as the announcement of the results of the examination says, it was a dislocation of the right anterior shoulder joint, bone fracture, and damage to the joint labrum, or labrum. Apologies, I don't know how to pronounce that specific word. 
This time, I'm going to do this without an operation and heal as soon as possible, but without hurry and fight in front of everyone again. A dislocation and bone fracture will take two months to heal, so my time is limited, but look forward to a new and changed Ibushi Kota. I won't give up. Now, off of that, let's go back to the uh, flagship report, who around this period are, uh, have, have a note here. They say they add to this, or at least I add to this through their report. Kikuchi told Ibushi that he needed to get back uh, in time for Wrestle Kingdom. Ibushi didn't want to wrestle until the shoulder was fully healed. Gedo, who is, of course, the booker, was so sure that Ibushi would be able to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom that he booked an angle to set up the match. But mid-December, Ibushi still wasn't ready to go. So he had to cancel, he had to, he had to cancel the angle, right? Now let's go back to Ibushi's social media, specifically his Instagram. We're going a couple of months later. We're heading into February 2021. Pretty big difference. This is Ibushi's post. Pretty big difference between the left and right shoulder. I wonder if this is the reason why the pain won't go away quite yet. Hashtag road to recovery. Hashtag still can't wait. Still can't lift weights. Hashtag going to let things heal completely. Hashtag control your narrative. No, I'm kidding. So, he's tweeting this out on the 29th. Basically saying, ah, my shoulder's not there yet. Right? Now, this is on February 20th. On the 21st, New Japan Pro Wrestling announces that Ibushi is a participant in the New Japan Cup. We all lose our shit. We got, this is great news. In which he's going to start off against Great Okan in the first round on March 6th. Right? And we're like, what? That's fantastic shit. Shortly after that announcement, Kode Ibushi tweets out, no context, hmm, comma, I see. Now, there was a lot of speculation, you know, and in my part as well, that, you know, break in communication, left hand not talking to the right hand kind of thing. That's what that's what made the most sense, right? Or we're getting worked. It's pro wrestling, right? Maybe we're getting worked. Because, you know, the wrestlers, they keep kayfabe. On, uh, in Japan, you know, there's still, a, there's still a level of kayfabe that exists, you know. They don't talk about backstage politics. They don't bring up other, you know, there's still a level of, you know, there's still a curtain of sorts. So let's go back. Uh, so I'm here. Here's a, uh, some observations that came from, uh, from the timeline article. It should be mentioned that between the statement about his dislocation and the announcement of his in-ring return by New Japan, there was never an official statement correcting the recovery time, which by February had long since passed the original prognosis. Kodobushi had said, two months and I'm back. We're into February and he's not back. Now we're getting to get into things a little, things that are a little dicey here. Here's, here's some, uh, some stuff uh, um, off of the timeline here. A week after the announcement of Ibushi's in-ring return, New Japan retracts it 
and states that Ibushi's return has been postponed for the time being. In the statement on their website, it is said that the original announcement of his participation was made in accordance with, quote, strong wishes of Ibushi himself, and that he was, quote, on the route to a timely recovery at first. But the decision to not let him participate, after all, came, quote, after repeated discussions with hospital and medical staff, and that the New Japan staff, quote, informed Ibushi of this decision. So, it was the office using um, uh, using medical, right, evidence, and plus Ibushi was like, nah, I don't think this is a good idea. Now, let, if we go into the into the the flagships report, there's a little conflict here. Not quite exactly the same thing here. We're, if we peel back the curtain, let's let the story doesn't exactly follow. Here's from the uh, the the, uh, the 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 flagship uh, report. Two months previous, Ibushi told the office he was feeling good and ready for the New Japan Cup. Which is odd because New Japan said that Ibushi said that no, I'd prefer not to be in there. Oh, okay. Ghetto not only booked him for the tour, but Ibushi was also the planned winner. I talked about this months ago, uh, leading up to the cup, when there was some stuff that was starting to leak out of New Japan. Ibushi was supposed to win the damn thing. Kikuchi, here we go, on the advice of a doctor who ra- who raised what was described to be a minor concern pulled Ibushi from the tour. This infuriated Ibushi, who cut off, and this is key, cut off all communication with the New Japan office. He stopped speaking to everyone. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm done, son. We're good. Now, this part here, so, so, New Japan is tweeting out that medical evidence and, you know, Ibushi himself, he doesn't want to do it, so on and so forth. Whereas here, we're being told he was good to go. Uh, Gato had booked him to win. There was a minor thing on the medical report that Kikuchi was like, nah, hit the bricks, pal. Ibushi's mad as hell. Hope y'all are following. This is fascinating stuff. Now, bear with me. There's a tweet that followed that seems to corroborate uh, what what the flagship is saying the day that New Japan announced that he was being removed, okay? Here's the tweet. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm really sorry. About my return, it's been like this since last year, but there is only one thing I want to say. There's so much I want to say, but I can't. I never intended for anything like this to happen. Your only friend is yourself. So that kind of jives with someone who was told he could wrestle, told he could be booked, but then once again was yanked around by this one guy who doesn't want him to work. Let's keep going. On March 4, on March 4, Kode Ibushi is seen at a JTO show. Just tap out. It's uh, Takamichinoku's new promotion, right? 
social media in Japan gets a buzz at the time, you know, because he's he's there. I think he I think he accompanied like Taka Michinoku to the ring or something like that. And some fans got worried <clears throat> because right, kayfabe, kayfabe, kayfabe. Um, it's generally not allowed for New Japan talent to appear on other promotions unless they have special permission to do so. Let's go over to <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's go over to the flagship report. Right? Guess what? Kikuchi breaks his silence and texts Ibushi, right? Because Ibushi had cut all communications. No no one spoke to him. Kikuchi texts him, tells Ibushi about, uh, about the appearance at the JTO show and with the ultimatum to return by Dominion or be fired. Let's go back to the timeline. Is this what prompted him to tweet? Let's think about it. Because he, the day after the JTO show, he tweets this out. Quote, So this is how pathetic this place is. It's just unfortunate. Sucks. Unquote. Kikuchi texts him. And the day after... The JTO show, he puts this out. Conjecture, right? But things, look, things are falling into place here. The dots are being connected. On March 16th, this is still on the timeline, he has a back and forth in kayfabe with the great Okan, but he tweets, and it's in kayfabe, right? Because, you know, they were supposed to be in the first round, they were supposed to be in the first round of the New Japan Cup and so on. But it's a kayfabe thing. But Ibushi tweets this out. Freedom over boring control. I'm going to end all the one or things I don't need. Fold your hands in prayer. Kneeling down or quitting? So which one is going to stop? (laughs) One day I'll let everyone know. Right now I'm putting my all into recovering. 65%. I'm going to work hard for just a little bit longer. Hashtag what you do comes back to you. Hashtag, you screwed up again. Now, there are numerous other tweets in this back and forth with, uh, and he has a back and forth with Takamichinoku as well. Talks about cutting the people, cutting out the people he doesn't need from his life, okay? Then on April 29, uh, 28, he tweets this out. Quote, the next step soon Secretly maneuvering is scary, and so are the people who do that. One day, I'll spit out, in a metaphorical sense, everything. <laughs> now, to this point, at, at this point here, there's still no real reason to believe this isn't a work, okay? There's no reason to, to think that this is not all like some big machination. He starts... Referring to retirement as well when responding to fans asking where he's been. Like, oh, maybe I'm retired. Maybe I'm going to retire. You know, he, we get two tweets. One, a response to a fan saying, destroying isn't good, but I don't want to take the power harassment in a place where there is an ex-cheater gang and bosses who used to sexually harass people. Now this is getting serious. This is getting a little dark. This is where you we're, we're 
were sort of looking at this and like, is this really a work? Because this is getting serious. Sexual harassment, that's nuts. Power harassment is actually a thing in Japan that is, that is it, it's a corporate problem in many companies in Japan where people in authority will use their authority to have their underlings work harder, work more, make them feel bad about the work that they're putting in, you know, that, and, and I know like there's an actual, there's a word in Japanese for that. And I, so he's talking about very serious, he's putting up very serious allegations, power harassment and sexually harassment, excuse me. And he read, and there's another tweet that he, in response to a fan where he says, I'm going to blow up in one go the ex-cheater gang already returned and the absurd power harassment stemming from the long lies of the company's head roll up your sleeves Tokyo Sports and TV Asahi too I don't care now he's talking about the cheater gang right as I talked about you know with adultery extramarital affairs it's a big deal in Japan Taka Michinoku had one and gets you thinking who is this gang who is this gang well you know he sort of implied that Kikuchi might be in that gang he could also be talking about um, Taichi who had um, uh, who had a uh, uh, who, who was caught cheating as well which some people seem to think that that is a reason why he was never pushed really into the main event picture um as you can tell, time heals all wounds because he's doing pretty well for himself. But, you know, and, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi, like, two decades ago, right? He got stabbed by his ex-girlfriend because she found out, like, you know, there's stuff. You know? Who is the gang he's talking about, essentially? He could be talking about Kikuchi. And this is where Kikuchi becomes a part of the conversation on the day Ibushi started dumping private DMs on Twitter. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, like the, you know, the whole uh, 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 translated conversation, the back and forth between them two, um, you know, the tweets and everything. And, and visit the websites that I've linked in the description as well, because they've got everything covered uh, on that front. But it looks like Kikuchi was DMing Ibushi about wanting his contract cancelled and Ibushi hitting the bricks. And, or, and of course, but Ibushi going, okay, sure, whatever. You know, that's his response. Then later, that's the first DM dump. Then he, Ibushi later dumps another DM that indirectly references the JTO show and Kikuchi is scolding him for not getting company permission beforehand. But Ibushi seems to be saying that Kikuchi is trying to move the conversation away than what started it, which is the contract situation, getting your contract canceled, which I believe are the DMs that we spoke of earlier when we were talking about Kikuchi reaching out to Ibushi after you know the radio silence. Ibushi says he's going to the higher-ups, right? Then in the late, in, later in a DM tweet, uh, he says uh, in the tweet, the entire text didn't fit, but I said I talked to the higher-ups. They didn't tell me anything about what I did was wrong. 
were thinking that this is the JTO show, right? That the higher-ups in New Japan were like, well, we don't give a shit. If you're going to apologize, and he's talking to Kikuchi here, if you're going to apologize, don't say it to begin with. Talk to me one-on-one. Also, there is the shithead mastermind president who thought to call me down with Yakiniku because I had gotten angry. He nodded as though he knew what the America thing was about, and when he finally asked questions, he just repeatedly yelled, do you understand? Do you know? Do you understand? And I think we're talking about the Forbidden Door show here, where he sits down with the higher-ups, with the president, the shithead mastermind president, as he called him, and and the president was like, you know, he thought that, Ibushi thought that he was offering him up the Forbidden Door show as a way to calm him down, right? But that's this is speculation. In the DM, Kikuchi seems to be repentant, or at least backtracking when he's saying, aren't we friends who have gone through hard times together, right? Ibushi responds, anyway, I talked to Gato, and I, I talked to Gato, and yesterday didn't come up at all. Again, we're probably talking about the JTO show. And he said, it was no issue at all. I won't forgive you for tricking me into revealing things. I won't hear your excuses. That's it. He continues. I'm going to go out and eat with the president, but I will never forgive you. If you can talk one-on-one with me, I'll listen. Because if this was a blunder by you, it's over. Do something thoroughly when the time comes to do it. So now there's... We're, a lot of us that are looking at this and say, okay, shit, this is not, this is not a work. Because they never refer, referred to Gato as being the booker, having any kind of power, any deciding power in any of the matches. That just doesn't happen. Kayfabe is still important. No one, am, so at this point, I'm like, ah, this is a shoot and we are shooting live. And uh, we can infer throughout all of this that Kikuchi is part of this cheaters gang. And to wrap this up, we're going to go back to the flagship report that, look, there is, there's reportedly some heat on Ibushi for, you know, wash, hanging out the dirty laundry, right? Putting out it out there in public instead of taking it up with uh, management, Bushi Road, right? Um, but Ibushi, his main sentiment in all of this is the inconsistent enforcement, and I'm quoting the, the report here, Inconsistent, the inconsistent enforcement of what he perceives as double standards and unfair treatment due to their history of not getting along. That is the cause of everything that's been going on here and why Kota Ibushi is losing it. Um, I don't think it's a work. I think all of this is real and it's very, very real and it could have some very, very serious implications for manage, for people in management if Ibushi keeps going and leaking, because this story is not over. This is not over. And Ibushi is really the kind... Don't forget, Ibushi wrestled the majority of his career without any contract, without sitting down and signing any paper. He's freelanced everywhere. New Japan was the first place that he signed a contract with, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But he's wrestled the majority of his career without a contract. He's the guy who went to wrestle in the Cruiserweight Classic and WWE said, we'd like you to wrestle with us. We'd like you to wrestle for us. Kota Bushi was like, great, let's do it. And they were like, here, sign this contract. He was like, I'm not signing the contract. And they said, well, you're not wrestling here. And he's fine, I'll go wrestle anywhere somewhere else. That's who he is. He 
he's at a point where, like, he's always been a lone wolf doing his own thing. He didn't come up in the dojo system. He did things his own way. And he's doing things his own way right here. This is consistent with what we know of, of Ibushi. But like I said, there is absolutely no way this is a work. This is not a work anymore. And this is a developing story. It could get ugly. Will things smooth over? Maybe. Ibushi's mentioned a few times that he might be retiring. Could be. I think he's at a point where he's like, he's just had enough. And he just wants to do what he, you know, whatever he feels like doing. And it might be, I mean, he's up there in age too. You know, he's not 32. He's not 22. He's pushing 40. I've had people say, oh, will this impact the Forbidden Door? I don't know. Probably not. Outside the fact that maybe we might not see Kota Ibushi on the card. That's probably it. AEW Dynamite. Okay. It's time to recap last night's show. Thank you everyone for being here. I hope you enjoyed that. But now, we are going to recap AEW Dynamite that kicked off with the Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament First Round Match. Adam Cole defeating... Dax Harwood, Martha Hart, excuse me, Dr. Martha Hart was in attendance in the building with all her children, um, surprised, they clearly have a very good relationship with AEW, that's fantastic stuff, and as for the match itself, this ruled, it ruled, in, I don't know guys, I don't know what to tell you, it just ruled, Dax coming out with his, with his, Heart uh, Foundation gear on, and we've really had these Brett and Shawn Michael vibes. Shawn Michaels vibes, right? When the match started, you know, when when Cole was sort of taunting him, you, you could you could you, interchangeable. It was fantastic, you know. And even Dax does a he eats a turnbuckle spot like Brett, you know, the chest first thing that Brett Hart then told every wrestler on the earth, "Don't do it." <laughs> It's a terrible spot. Don't do it. Uh, they trade Germans. A slingshot Liger Bomb by uh, Harwood. Brain Buster on a knee by Adam Cole. There's a lot of near falls. A great pile driver by Dax, who goes for a sharpshooter, but can't hold on because they have been establishing throughout the match that his ribs are cracked. So he's powering through the pain because he wants the tournament. wants to get the tournament through through the tournament so fast and so you know he wants to do it, but he can't hold on to the sharpshooter. And instead, it is Adam Cole who wins the match with the sharpshooter. Can you imagine the Hart family surrogate, Dax Harwood in this case, getting pinned clean in the ring in a, not pinned, submitting via sharpshooter, clean in the ring by Adam Cole. That's heat, brother. That's good. Good. Mmm delicious on my tongue heat you love it everyone wanted Dax to win I was watching it with Kristen Kristen was like are you okay I'm like I he's gonna win no and I was like no Dax don't tap don't tap and he taps on and I son of a bitch they got me I love being got like this it was fantastic great storytelling by both these guys throughout the match Again, AW Dynamite opening up with a hot match. And then we move on to, I wouldn't say necessarily a hot match, but a fun match. CM Punk 
defeating John Silver. We get Hangman Adam Page, AEW World Champion on commentary for this one. To bring out regional heel CM Punk. I love this shit so much. I love it so much. CM Punk gets the loudest, craziest pops wherever he goes. Except Long Island. And he comes out and he's wearing an Islander's tee, right? And I'm like, oh, look at this son of a bitch. He's trying. But the crowd's not buying it. They're like, boo, they're booing more. And and you're like, is he really trying? Is he really trying to get baby face heat by using the Islanders jersey? And he turns around and he's got he's it's a Tavares, John Tavares, uh jersey. John Tavares, I think two years ago, three years ago, was traded. Well, he became a free agent and he left for Toronto, and that created some bad blood. Tavares Ward plays for the Maple Leafs now. And that created some bad blood. There's some hard, there's some hurt feelings over there. And so he turns around and then I'm like, oh, that son of a bitch. Crowd was not into him. And look, I'm telling you, then I see, I see people who position themselves as connoisseurs of pro wrestling who know what who are supposed to know what they're talking about that have even had the little blue check mark next to their name telling us telling us oh AEW tried to get some local uh, some local pops for uh, for CM Punk but he's getting booed out of the building nonetheless and I'm like he doesn't understand anything doesn't understand a thing doesn't understand the history that was created in AEW with CM Punk and Long Island. And it's continuing. Doesn't know the John Tavares. You know what you do with John Tavares when you see the jersey? You do John Tavares. You just, in the Google machine, it's literally 36 seconds of research. And you can figure out, oh, okay. No, they're being facetious. They want CM Punk to be booed. Oh, what a failure by AEW. <laughs> Hit the bricks. Telling you, there's dorks. Dorks. Oh, he can't get heat. They want him to get booed. And he's fighting a Long Island native. John Silver. What are these people on? I'm telling you, I swear. I under WWE has successfully ingrained sports entertainment in the brains of these people. And they think they're covering pro wrestling. But they're not. Because if they were covering pro wrestling, they would understand what's going on here. Anyway, fine little match here that we got. Silver stumps a mud hole into CM Punk. CM Punk with the over-the-knee backbreaker. Uh, uh, Silver does that explosive trio of low kicks followed by a brain buster. I love it when John Silver does this explosive uh, offense. He's so great. Uh, but Punk... Wins with the buckshot lariat. That is not his finisher. That is Hangman Adam Page's finisher. Um, so post-match, Page, you know, sort of pissed off that he's using his move, comes to the ring, we get a nose-to-nose -nose confrontation. Punk cuts a, a, bit, a short promo saying, you know, re rekindling his promo that he had with um, 
with uh, uh, MJF during their feud. I was like, I look in the mirror, I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, am I a good guy? But these days, I wake up in the mirror, and in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I'm, am I a champ? And he says, yes, I'm a champ. Paige flips him off. And I liked it. Paige didn't say a word. Paige, so in fire. Showing fire, aggression. He's like, mm. now he's going to wrestle next week. Uh, he's uh, he's wrestling uh, uh, Takashita next week, which is like out of the blue and fantastic. Paige needs to get some reps in before Double or Nothing. I think it's a smart move. And it's simmering. We're going to get an explosion. I'm excited. I, I, this feud is being built. Is being It's a slow burn. But I think we're going to get to something. Tony Nese um, defeated Danhausen in a squish. Not even a squash. I think a squash. I think the effort in pronouncing ah, ash, is superior than ish. Because I think ash, I feel like my vocal cords work harder with an ah sound. And I feel like my the muscles in my mouth contract more. I think it's there's more effort in a squash than a squish. Where I think squish, it's just, it's just sort of... It slithers out of your mouth. It dribbles out. It was disgusting. I'll never do that again. Um, But yeah, he just runs through. Danhausen was the, the big debut. Great theme song for Danhausen. Had his gear on, the whole thing coming. And I'm seeing all over the place. Maybe not all over the place, but how could you have Danhausen lose? In a squash! And a squash on top of that. How could this be possible? It's Danhausen. We're burying Danhausen, right? It's you know. He should not have lost. There was another way to do this. You could have had Danhausen get some reps in. Now, you know when I tell you guys and gals and non-binary pals that sometimes booking ain't hard. It's I find it's easier to complicate booking than it is to just get it right, keep it simple and get it right. What is the story we're telling here? Tony Nese, Danhausen, and so, what is this, why is this match happening? Why is this coming together? Because we are building towards Tony Nese versus Hook, right? Hook, who has been running through all of the opposition that's been put before him. His biggest challenge so far was QT Marshall, but no one bought that QT Marshall was going to be the guy to defeat Hook, right? But they, they're continuing to push Hook. They need to build heat for his next opponent because they want his next opponent to be credible, which is going to be Tony Nese. What is What better way than to get heat on the guy than to have the guy completely destroy the other guy's best friend or at least you know close acquaintance at this point but then now they're good now they're pals now they're friends he knocks out Danhausen of course everyone wanted Danhausen to win but that create he gets the sympathy he gets the heat it's Hook versus Nice this is what we're building to this is a story bump it's not about the big Danhausen push I will argue 
that Danhausen doesn't need a push. You should never push Danhausen. Danhausen could never wrestle again and he'll still stay over because he's Danhausen. Oh, Danhausen is buried. He's not buried. What are you talking about? That's not the story we're telling. It's going to continue to elevate him because he's going to get some comeuppance on, on Tony Nese because that's what you do in good in, in good booking. So the booking, it's simplest, simplest format here. Bad guy who's feuding with, whose opponents, uh, bad guy who is feuding with another guy is is destroying the other guy's best friend. Instant heat, sympathy. If anything, it makes Danhausen. We we feel bad for Danhausen. We want him to get some revenge. We want Hook to get revenge on Danhausen. This feud is being built, and people are still gonna tell me AEW doesn't do stories, doesn't know how to build people. Come on. And I see the theories out there. Well, they could have done it in a way where Mark Sterling would have interfered. Why make it so goddamn complicated? There's no reason to make it complicated. Nice absolutely destroys Danhausen. I'm 100% okay with it. Because Nice needs to come across as being a killer. As being a guy who could dethrone Hook. Now, is he going to be Hook's first... Uh, first loss. Is he going to serve Hook his first loss? No. This is my prediction. And it's also going to be a spoiler. No. Why is it a spoiler? Because I've watched pro wrestling in the past. I know how this shit goes. This is the type of story which is not about the journey. It's about the destination. We. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Excuse me. Because we know Hook is going over. There's no way he's losing to Tony Nese. Tony Nese has been brought in to AEW to serve as a mid-card act to put over other guys. That's what he's there for. That's all he... And and you know what? That's fine. It's not a knock on his work. He's a fantastic worker. But do you see Tony Nese as a top guy in AEW? Do you see him at the top of the card? Challenging for the AEW World Championship. Do you see him challenging uh, Brian Danielson? John Moxley? Like in in serious high-level combat, right? High-level matches where you're like, who's going to win? Not a... Not an enhancement match. He can fight John Moxley, but Moxley's going to win. That's what Nice is for. And he's going to get a good payday. And he's going to be able to, to, to stretch his legs, put on a good wrestling show, and he's going to put the kid over. That's what his job is for. Then we have the contract signing. But before the contract signing, we get... The brilliant mock doc side of the ring video about Wardlow's betrayal of MJF at Revolution. Everyone in the chat, tell me you love this. You gotta, you gotta tell me you love this. I thought, what a wonderful touch for snide, snooty, disgusting MJF to portray himself as the victim of this really dark conspiracy like this shit on the level of you know uh, you know of the plane ride from hell and Jake Roberts's father you know it's like ah I loved it even Chris Jericho keeping the story alive saying wait is this for MJF I don't want to do this for this asshole wait he's paying how much everything was there the perfectly executed shots like in the style of 
the interviewees, even bringing in the retired wrestler, right? The in this, which in this case was the legendary Jewish wrestler Barry Horowitz. He says, "Take it from take it from a top guy like me, Sean Dean is a jobber." And you know what? Now I want to see Sean Dean versus Barry Horowitz. This is I want this now. MJF comes out to a huge ovation. And of course he plays up to it. And look, <clears throat> he is just alive on this match, okay? And on this microphone, excuse me. Just alive. The way he commanded everything in this segment is nothing short of brilliant. It's hard to it's hard to not look at MJF, look at his body of work at this point, and be absolutely floored. He is a master of mic work. He is a man who understands the audience, knows how to work them, knows how to captivate them. He had everyone in the palm of his hand. Sure was his hometown. But he worked this segment. He worked hard for this segment. From top to bottom, a master. Not a master class. This cannot be reproduced. What he did cannot be reproduced. This is the kind of stuff that WWE looks at and they're like, we need to do something like this, but they're going to overly script it and overly produce it and, and it's just going to fall apart. This is something, this, this, this contract signing, the way it happened, could not have been the way it happened in any other circumstance with any other person than MJF manning that microphone. Brilliant, legendary stuff. This guy gets it. And we've said it before. We'll say it again because it's so damn true when it happens. Just magnificent. Magnificent mic work. You've got people backstage going, man, if I just had a third of what he had. Can you imagine if Jungle Boy had just a third, a third of what MJF is able to do? He'd be unstoppable. During the contract to, to determine the, the, the stipulations, MJF refers it to a David versus Goliath story. Then he asks his people to get out of their seats and boo Wardlow every time he tries to speak. Wardlow tries to talk and see, nice little way to not bury your big guy here, right? Because in the uh, the uh, in the uh, contract signing tropes, both guys have to have a turn on the mic, right? But this is a good way to avoid Wardlow coming across as a goober on the mic against MJF who is S tier at this point in this segment he's untouchable Every, Dusty Rhodes would have looked like a moron next to him in this in, in this situation so it's a nice little way to have Wardlow avoid the tropes and try to jaw jack and coming up short regardless of how good he was because this was MJF's moment Good protection of your baby face here. I appreciate that. 
So the conditions to get the double or nothing match are as follows. Ten lashes. Yeah, Sean Spears do the... Ten lashes. Mordlow has to endure. If he endures them, he will then have to wrestle Sean Spears inside of a steel cage. And not just any steel cage. A steel cage with MJF as the special guest referee. And then he'll get the match. But if, and so if, uh, of course, if Wardlow wins the match at double or nothing, MJF will release him from his contract. But if Wardlow loses the match at double or nothing, if he gets it, Wardlow can never sign with AEW. So Wardlow gets uncuffed to sign the contract. Of course, he starts throwing the security dweebs around. Um, Everyone runs, flees. He powerbombs Mark Sterling through the table. Uh, just, uh, just Just some good stuff. Some very good stuff. Yes, you heard that right. Because I'm going to say, I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to make sure you're all paying attention. Uh, I was thoroughly enjoy, uh, excuse me, let me say it again. I was, I was thoroughly entertained by this contract signing. It's one in a million. One in a million. Yeah, the more you can throw all the shit you want at the wall. At some point, something's gonna stick. Anthony Walsh, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Let's go into the FTW title match. Ricky Stark successfully retained his title against Jungle Boy. Fun little match. Some good chemistry, I find, between Starks and uh, Jungle Boy. Good stuff. Uh, some shows of power by Jungle Boy as well, who I thought who I thought was exuding a lot more confidence. You know, he, was, I, he feels to be getting a, a bit more of, of a sense of who he is. I don't know. I felt he was a lot more confident in that match. Um, there's a spear by Ricky Starks, a snare trap by Jungle Boy. Swerve comes out to keep... Uh, Stark's honest, but it just ends up distracting the ref, which allows Jungle Boy to get the visual pin on Ricky Starks. And the ref comes back, and of course, well, Ricky Starks is out of the pin, and everyone's sort of pissed off. Rochambeau. Starks retains, and after Kristen Cage and Luchasaurus come to the ring, blowing past Strickland as they come out, Keith Lee comes out. We've got Powerhouse Hobbs there as well. So we've got three tag teams. And Jungle Boy is sulking in a corner. But Christian is there, pulls him in for a hug. And everyone's saying, oh, Christian's going to turn. But what if it's Jungle Boy? What if Jungle Boy is the guy who turns? Right? As the meme goes, you know. Broke, Christian turns on Jungle Boy. Woke, Jungle Boy turns on Christian. Bespoke, Luchasaurus turns on Christian and and Jungle Boy, devours them, and uses their skulls as a necklace. 
The Jericho Appreciation Society come out for their victory speech. Matt Menard asks us, do you want to know what turns me on? And I said right out, out loud to my television, no, I don't. And he asked, do you want to know what makes my nipples hard? And I said out loud to my television, no, I don't. And he said, it's being in the greatest faction in the world. <clears throat> well, to each their own, I am not here to kink shame. Uh, Jericho prattles on about Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, then John Moxley's music hits, and then the rest of the BCC come out, including uh, uh, William Regal, then Eddie and the boys, and they all ambush the Jericho Appreciation Society. They beat him down, and I'm thinking, this is great. And evil, even William Regal gets, uh, gets a punch. He gets to sock Chris Jericho. I'm like, okay, this was a this this turned out a lot better than I expected. Fun. And I'm thinking, oh, what a promo we're gonna get next week. Kingston, like Kingston Santana Ortiz, and the Blackpool Combat Club. And is this where we're going? Because there's there's so many ways we could go. Are we going towards a blood and guts match at double or nothing. I know some people are like, stadium stampede. Because Chris Jericho is going to be like, yeah, we want to do the sports entertainment match, you know. I'm like, if the, if the Blackpool Combat Club are into this, are in here, I don't know. I'm not sure anymore. I'm not quite sure. Owen Hart Foundation's Foundation Women's Tournament first round match. Tony Storm defeated Jamie Hayter in a solid, strong, good wrestling match. Great groundwork out the gate. Snap suplex by Hayter on the floor. Then another one in the ring. Wrist control strikes. Whiplash. Hip attack by Tony Storm. Hayter's head just snapped right back. Tornado DDT to the floor. Are you Renagi on the apron by Hater? And I love the finish. Jamie Hater superplexes Tony Storm. She holds on to it, rolls into another suplex attempt, but Tony Storm rolls through it and again rolls into a Storm Zero. Match is done. Great finish. Strong match. I loved it. I loved it. Heard a lot of people talking this week about uh, NXT 2.0 ratings when they had uh, so many women's matches on the uh, on the card, right? Look, it's never good when you when you see ratings take a piss like they did with NXT this week when the company decides to highlight women's matches, right? But there's only so much you can do with the numbers when. There's only so much you could. Um, there's only so much you can do with the numbers when you have your qualifiables that have to. You know, like the numbers are quantifiables. What about the? At this point, it becomes more of a conversation about the qualifiables. I don't think. You know, I. I think there are many problems with NXT, right now. I think the presentation. It's not for me. Presentation. I think that you know. The content and the wrestlers that they're putting forward, they're not captivating anyone. They're not making anyone want to tune in, right? 
They don't. They really don't. So while they may had, while they might might be touting the numbers, they don't have the qualifiables, right? So qualities. So marketability. Yeah, yeah, talent. Are the women that are wrestling people uh, wrestlers that people are going to tune into? Are these going to be draws? Right? We don't know who that who is Paxton Huxley, right? Who who are these people? Right? Nikita Lyons is an acquired taste. That's it. I've talked about her enough, but you know, we'll leave it at that for now. You know, you got Lash Legend that they're pushing. Lash Legend stinks. Okay? It's, it's just as simple as that. Roxy, fantastic talent, but she's not a draw. She's not someone that that's going to captivate the imagination. Now, on the flip side, AEW has all of that. AEW has all the qualifiables, but they don't have the quantity. They don't have the they don't have the the they don't put in the 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 time, the effort to continue to develop, you know, put in more than one women's match per dynamite, right? And I've said this from the start, and I've been saying this like throughout everything that I do in women's wrestling from the get-go. If you make your women feel important, if you make them look like they're a big deal, people will treat them like a big deal. If you do the opposite, they'll do exactly that. If it's one match a week, people are going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, it's the women's match. Oh, but what about mixing it up? Next week, there's two matches. Oh. Okay. And it's not like they don't have the high caliber talent to do it. Because they do. And we saw it last night. They have world-class women athletes who've been around, who've been trained, who've been who've wrestled around the world. Different styles and who can bring it. Why aren't we getting more of those? Why why do we why do we get Marina Shafir versus Jade when Marina is an unproven quantity and Jade is only as good as who she's fighting. There's no reason, like, on the, on the flip side, NXT, NXT is putting on television women who are not ready to be in this spot. AEW has women who are ready to be on TV, but is not putting them on. I don't understand. I really don't get it. We get more build for Scorpio Sky versus Frankie Kazarian on Rampage for the TNT title. Sammy coming in saying that he shouldn't trust, Kazarian shouldn't trust Scorpio Sky now. And the main event, Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament. First round, no disqualifications. Jeff Hardy defeated Darby Allen. Look, <clears throat> Hardy, Jeff Hardy is going to do stunts. This is what he's going to do. This is, this, this is what he's going to be doing moving forward. You know, last week, his match that he had on, I wasn't high on it. And I told you, I'm going to be that guy. I, and I'm going, I'm, going to, I'm going to be that guy. Jeff Hardy cannot go. I, I think he needs... They're, they're, following last week's match against Bobby Fish, they are going to smoke and mirror the hell out of Jeff Hardy's run moving forward. Putting him in, ta he. I don't know why they're they're having him doing singles matches. The single match that he had last night with Darby was him throwing himself off a of shit, which is what Jeff Hardy does best. 
he's and and he can do you know he can put his body through through punishment as much as he likes but you know requires a little more finesse to start stringing wrestling offense which i feel he's having trouble doing put him in tag matches it's the same thing he can get the hot tags and do his moves and get the win and I'm just like I don't know man Darby once again putting the suicide and suicide dive right off the bat he sets up some chairs Jeff Hardy this I like this spot Jeff Hardy whips Darby Allen into the stairs but Darby leaps over the stairs turns around rushes back right into a flying lariat by Jeff Hardy which was perfect that was really good Jeff pulls out a huge ladder sets it up in the ring but it's Darby who sent tons off the ladder and onto the chair the chair setup that they made that he made just nuts I was like no no reason to do this Jeff Hardy later dies off uh, the top uh, turnbuckle onto Darby Allen was lying on the upright steel stairs but Darby moves out of the way and Jeff falls flat right on the steel and I'm like my god man Darby hits the coffin drop but uh, Hardy reverses it into a pin I'm surprised he won I don't know what the benefit is here I really don't I don't like I I really think I really think that uh, I really thought that we were getting more of a tag team outfit I think Darby not going forward is weird maybe they have other plans I don't know Double or nothing, probably. Maybe, maybe they just have something bigger in store for Darby for double or nothing. Anyway, despite my gripes, my my little gripes here and there, especially in the main event, which was fine. Don't get me wrong, like you know, but it's a stunt show that we saw. Um, last night's dynamite is an all timer. I thought it was great from uh, from top to bottom. You know, everything good to excellent. There's, hell, they, I'll say it again, you know, they, you know, made me like a contract signing, so what are you going to (laughs) do? It was an all-timer. I thought it was one of the all-time great Dynamites, just fantastic stuff. And uh, that wraps up the weekly wrestling inspection. Before we step out, I want to say hello to Kristen Ashley, the first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, yeah, who's joined us to tell us that uh, she was here all along, but she was writing a special interview with Miyu Yamashita, and she wanted to hurry up to say hello, but do check that we're getting the big interviews this Kristen doing. Getting the interviews no one else is getting. Nice interview with with uh with the fantastic Miyu Yamashita, who is gonna be hitting the American soil very soon. Could she be Britt Baker's Joker opponent? Hmm. We'll see. But hey, you know what? In the meantime. I want to thank you all for joining me this evening. I 
I am particularly proud of the show tonight. I, I don't know. There's like I always enjoy doing the show, but tonight as I was getting everything together, I was particularly happy with it. I was like, oh, tonight's going to be really good. It's going to be a, some solid stuff, some juicy stuff that I know that the above average intelligent wrestling fan like the viewers and listeners of the Mr. Warren Hayes show will be able to appreciate. And I hope I delivered. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Look, if you haven't already, leave a like. If you're a first time here, subscribe. Never miss a Mr. Warren Hayes show ever for the rest of your life. Never miss uh, a Hot Shakes and Hand Dogs podcast for the rest of your life. It's all here. It's all happening here. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you a great deal. So I hope everyone has a great rest of their evening and a fantastic weekend. Guess what? I'll see you next time.